Hey guys, on today's pod I had on Jackson Frank. He is a writer for quite a few websites. You can check him out at The Step Back, at Liberty Ballers covering the Philadelphia 76ers, covering the Denver Nuggets at B-Ball Index. I'm not sure if he ever sleeps, but he does watch a lot of hoops and his stuff is really great. You can also check out, he has a piece on Pascal Siakam and the jump that he can make this season. That piece is located at B-Ball Breakdown. On today's pod, me and Jackson went over the Western Conference. This is a follow-up to the preview me and Matthew did regarding the Eastern Conference. Me and Jackson go through all 15 teams in the Western Conference, talk about realistic expectations for them, compare their over-under to the Vegas over-under, and, you know, just give a general outlook for the season. Like I said, make sure you go check out his stuff, including his fantastic piece on Pascal Siakam. But first, make sure you listen to this pod. Just watch my Cleveland Browns lose a heartbreaker, so I've been better, but get him by. Well, I, my, I'm a Niners fan, so we had our heartbreaker last last Monday when the Jimmy G news broke. So yeah, uh, that's rough. Can't quite relate to you, but yeah, it's, it was tough to see the season end end really before it got off the ground. Yeah, that's always tough, especially that's the tough thing about the NFL: so many injuries. But it's the way it's the way it goes, I guess. But maybe we'll get another another big draft pick and kind of give a little more uh, firepower to the the roster. Yeah, absolutely. So I had you on here uh, to break down the Western Conference. We've already done our Eastern Conference breakthrough. We're going to run through the over-under here of each team. I'll get your opinion on that, whether you think that's too high, too low, just about right for them as a team and kind of the key points to watch this season. To start off, we'll start at the bottom here in the Sacramento Kings. Their over-under is 25.5, the lowest in the Western Conference, second lowest in the league. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I have my win projections up here. Um, last week I tweeted out my Eastern and Western Conference win projections, um, so I've got those handy. I have Sacramento 22. Uh, they're just they're just not going to be very good. Uh, they got a lot of young pieces, and young pieces don't generally equate to a lot of wins. Uh, what did they win last year? 20, 26, 11, 25. Um, and they had a couple of veterans that played a lot of minutes. Um, they're going to run a lot of stuff through Darren Fox, Marvin Bagley. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich after he returns from injury, Buddy Heal. Uh, and while a couple of those guys are pretty solid NBA players, especially Bogdanovich and, and Heal, uh, they just don't have a lot. Um, Fox is a really is definitely a working project, and and Bagley is going to have to improve a lot of his uh, some of his weaknesses to become a really impactful player, which he which he could be. I'm not really an anti-Bagley guy, but I don't think he'll be a super impactful guy from from the outset. Right, I think for them the key is you hope one that Marvin Bagley proves to be worth the number two pick, and obviously that's more than any more important than any kind of win losses. Them, I think they're going to struggle defensively, and honestly, I don't think the offense is going to be much better. Last year they had a bunch of veterans. I'm not sure if that even worked to their advantage. Just with the mindset George Hill kind of came into in camp, I think that 
this is about right for <laughs> yep. this team. I could see them winning up to 30 games, but I don't see this team. I I think it's very unprobable that this team is, you know, plus 30 wins. Yeah, for sure. No, for sure. Uh, they, I mean, they have an offense, or a, excuse me, a roster that kind of says they should run a lot, and they didn't do that very often last year. Uh, I think they had a, a bottom five or ten, ten pace. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head, but I know Dave Yeager led teams have been pretty slow and methodical. Obviously, part of that's uh, coaching the grit and grind Grizzlies for a few years, but uh, I hope they run more this year. Fox wasn't super efficient in transition last year, but he's one of the quickest guards in the league, if not the quickest from end to end. Uh, Bagley is a pretty pretty big athletic freak, so getting him some open some, uh, looks in the open floor would be good. Um, they got a couple of shooters in Bogdanovich and Heal to get some kind of space to floor like that and transition. But, but yeah, I think I think really figuring out who their their core is because they have a lot of young guys, and I don't think they necessarily exactly know which ones they want to keep for the long haul beyond Bogdanovich. And I guess they have probably have a core four, but they've got a lot of those that. That glut of big guys like uh, Scalabissier and Willie Colley Stein and a couple others that are probably missing that we just don't know exactly what how they factor into the plans there. So I think just having some identity uh, by the time uh, April rolls around next year is going to be key. Whether or not that they have 17 wins in their identity, that's that's totally fine. But if they have 29 wins, and we don't really know what's going on. Then I, I don't know how good I good I feel about them. But but yeah, they, they're not going to win a lot of games just because they don't have a lot of uh, win now pieces. And that's that's fine. They shouldn't have win now pieces when they're when their best players are like 21 or whatever, 22. Well, they, they actually... Not, not best players, I should say. Yeah, well, they were the slowest team last year in terms of pace. I Like I like you said, I don't think that's a good thing. I think that this team should look to run and transition more. They got a lot of big guys. They have a lot of people that I think should be playing five that will probably have to play out of position at four a little bit this year. But hopefully that this team kind of stays the pace and is happy with this. They don't have their pick, so maybe the fact they won't be tanking at the end of the year will increase that win total up a little bit. But I just don't think they have the talent to be very good. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of forgot for a minute that they don't even have their pick next year, which is just brutal, man. I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> they, they, I mean, I'm, I don't think their core is very well regarded around the league. And I think if they, it'd be a lot better if they had their pick next year in the top three or four because they're, they're still missing something that's that has a lot of encouraging uh uh, narrative around it, so yeah, that not having a pick is tough. Totally agree. Uh, next team is the Phoenix Suns. They have an over under of twenty eight and a half. Obviously, this team is young as well. They have four main young guys. I think that they're looking to run through is Booker, Jackson, Bridges, and Aiton. I think that this team is missing a point guard, which really hurts them offensively. 28.5 seems a hair low for me, but I'm not confident in the over, and I would probably just stay away. Yeah, I, I have them at 28 on the dot. Um, I, I think a lot of it depends on Booker's timeline. Obviously, he's so important to what they do, um, both I mean, offensively, defensively. I mean, they're all kind of a, a mess there. Um, but yeah, they went 21 last year, and I think they definitely have a. They got infused with some talent. DeAndre Aiden, well, well, is a, a pretty uh, dang talented guy. Well, I prefer Luka Doncic, and a lot of people did. He's still a pretty dang talented prospect. Um, Trevor Reese is still a nice, nice addition. Um, Mikael Bridges could be a could be a nice win now, uh, or just a day one contributor, excuse me. Um, and so I think they're gonna have better spacing. But like you said, yeah, not having a, a an experienced point guard right now is gonna hurt them because uh, I think. I think it would be nice to see Devin Booker play off the ball a little more now while he's 
he's definitely improved as a facilitator. I think uh, he's going to be thrust into that, that point guard role again when he's healthy. And, well, he, he's not a total disaster, and he's pretty solid um, nowadays. I think letting him play off the ball more is kind of balancing his on and off ball strengths is going to be the key to maximizing, maximizing him as a player. I don't think this roster really is going to allow him to do that next year. So I have him at 28. They're, they're going to be better than next year, I think. Um, but yeah, not... They're not going to be a very not going to be a good defensive team. They don't really have a point guard like you said, so it's tough to see anything more than like twenty eight to thirty. I could also see them getting involved in the point guard market. Maybe not getting a a real good player, but getting somebody who's at least a serviceable starter. To me, they should get at least in the market to kind of at least judge your younger players better. It seems like there's yeah. so many point guards out there that you could at least go get a guy like you know a baseline starter quality player for pretty cheap it's not like it's a wing where the league is started with them there's enough point guards out there that you should be able to find somebody for not a terrible price yeah yeah and i think i think the key might be targeting <clears throat> targeting teams that aren't necessarily looking to win right now that that would maybe take one of your prospects and uh think they kind of return around like a dragon bender or someone like that um and i know they've been in the market for patrick beverly tyus jones a little bit um, so I think if he, like you said, just get a guy that can be a steady hand at the uh, at the point guard spot, that'd be huge. Kind of let let the guys do, let their young guys do what they're their best at, rather than trying to force them into playmaking and facilitating roles. So, yeah, I, I, I'd be surprised if they ended the season with the same point guard crop that they have now, um, just because it, it just seems unlikely that they 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 don't seem comp, they don't see confident in in their rotation right now there. And there's like you said, there's enough point guards uh, available to uh, to land someone for for fairly cheap and not not overindulge on a on an expensive point guard. Next up is the Dallas Mavericks. They are 34 and a half. Obviously, DeAndre Jordan was brought there this offseason. The big name free agent Luka Doncic was the draft pick at number three overall. They traded up to get him. A lot of people liked him to go number one overall. Obviously, it didn't work that way. What is your thoughts on the Dallas Mavericks at 34 and a half? Yeah, I have the under on them. I have 33 uh, wins. Uh, they won 24 last year, so I think if they won nine more games this year, that that'd be pretty good. Uh, they'd be basically improving their win total. They'd be adding a third of their win from last year um, to this year's win total. Uh, DeAndre Jordan helped him. He's definitely declined as a, as a rim protector and, and some of his athleticism as he gets older, but he's still a pretty dang good player. Um, he's going to be a really nice pick-and-roll piece for Dennis Smith Jr. and Luka Doncic. And, uh, and then those two, Dennis Smith Jr. and Luke Doncic, excuse me, are going to be. I'm flubbing this, but uh, <laughs> DSJ will be better than he was last year, and Luke Doncic is just a really good player that I think is going to help them from day one. Uh, it was it was kind of fun to watch them a little bit last night. Uh, obviously, not playing against NBA competition, but uh, Doncic Doncic looked pretty good. Uh, DSJ will have to, he'll definitely have to improve his decision making. That was one of his huge issues last year. Part of that was he just had a gigantic role. Um, shot selection is definitely an issue for him, but they should be a really fun electric uh, electric duo. I wrote about them earlier in the summer, and they have me excited. So I think especially the, the growth from Dennis Smith Jr. and the additions of Doncic and Jordan will give them nine more wins. Um, I, I, that's what I think. And Carlisle is just a very good coach, uh, and so I think he's always worth a win or two. And last year they, they were pretty clear that comment about Mark Cuban, like our best option is to, to lose. So I think this year they won't be quite as – Blatant about that, so I think you you add all those factors together, and that's about nine wins. Um, I take the under on their their 34.5 win total. Yeah, I'm probably slightly under as well. I think the fact that they are 
they don't have their own pick is going to factor in. I, I always think of teams that are kind of in the bottom here that don't have their own pick. They're not as incentivized mm-hmm. to lose, which I think matters a lot towards the end of the season when you get to, you know, maybe 30% of the teams aren't trying anymore. For them, also, I think it's a lot about the improvement of Dennis Smith Jr. He mm-hmm. he was really bad, I think, as an actual player last season, but I saw enough signs as a rookie that I'm excited for his future and what he could be even this season. Adding DeAndre Jordan, like you said, he's not near the rim protector he used to be, and I always thought his defense was a little overrated. Anyways, but he's a great finisher around the basket, and he'll make it easier for both those guards to kind of facilitate through a big man that can finish and finish so well around the hoop. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, he's he's not an all-star like he was two years ago, and maybe even then that was kind of a, a, a questionable pick. But anyways, uh, he's just a good player. He's a phenomenal role man, uh, tons of role gravity, space the floor for their guys. Um, I mean, just having a proficient guy that you can run, if you need to run a pick and roll with Doncic and Jordan or or DSJ and Jordan uh, is going to be huge. But, yeah, like you said, uh, overall, Dennis Smith Jr. wasn't very good as a rookie. That's normal. Um, but he just had so much on his plate. They just didn't really have anything else. Uh, they didn't have anyone else to, to run the run the offense. And so I think he was thrust in such a huge role that you have to take it with a grain of salt. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree. We saw, we saw enough flashes. He's just he's just so flipping athletic, and uh, and he has so many skills already. I mean, I know, I know it's you know, a lot of guys come in with a ton of athleticism, but – he has enough refined skills, I think, right now for me to feel confident he's going to figure it out as an NBA player. It might not be next year overall, but I think he's definitely going to take a step forward, especially with with uh, good players around him like Doncic and, and Jordan, or two new good players around him. Yeah, you talk about he's got a lot of players come in with athleticism. I think he's still in that kind of next tier that it makes a difference of where he's in. The, if you're in the top, you know, five percent of this league, that shows you have crazy bounce. And I I agree with you. I think also, like you said, Rick Carlisle is a big difference, and they're going to run a lot of things to this season when they're more incentivized to win that are yeah. more you know conducive to him actually winning games rather than just developing him as a player. Yeah, exactly. I think that's going to be a lot less of just go out there and do something uh, and more more focusing on his strengths and letting him do some, some of the things that he excelled at last year. Uh, he was a pretty good catch-and-shoot guy uh, from three. I think he shot like 37%. Um, but he just shot so many threes off the dribble and, and late in the shot clock and stuff. Partially out of necessity, but partially out of bad, poor shot selection. Um, pretty good cutter. So I'm excited to see him play off the ball a little more. It's definitely going to take some adjustment because he's had the ball in his hands so much for a while in his, his basketball career. Um, but I think if he can be a little flexible and adjust, um, we're going to see some nice things out of him this year. So uh, Dallas is an intriguing team for sure, and, and Dennis Smith Jr. is a huge reason why. Next up is the Clippers. They are 35 and a half. This team doesn't have a lot of star power at the top, but they're really deep. They have, I mean, really 13, 14 quality rotation level players on this team. I think I'm probably going to take the under here, but I'm hesitant and probably staying away. What are what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I, I, I slide just under. I've got them at 35 wins. Uh, like you said, yeah, they don't have a lot of, they're not top heavy at all, but they have a lot of nice rotation pieces. Um, Lou Williams was phenomenal last year. I don't think he'll probably be quite as good, but he's still, he's been a good NBA player for a long time now. Tobias Harris is a nice guy for sure. Um, and then, I mean, Patrick Beverly should be healthy. Um, if Danilo Gallinari's healthy, he's always been a nice kind of, uh, versatile wing piece. If he, him staying, him staying healthy is definitely a huge question mark. 
Um, but I like a lot of the pieces they have. I just don't see the playoffs happening for them, and so I, I can see them maybe trading off one or two of their their veterans, uh, for, or maybe just tanking late in the year to, to improve their draft pick. Um, if they have it, I don't. I know one of them sent out to Boston one of these years. Um, I, I don't yeah, believe I, it's I, yet. I think it's 2020. Yeah, yeah. So, so not next year, but I, I could see them trading out or shipping off one of their one or two of their important guys. Beverly, like we said earlier, with the Suns, could be could be on the move. Um, but yeah, 35 feels right. They've got a they've got some some talent, but nothing nothing to put them over the top and compete for a playoff spot in my mind. Yeah, I I think that. I could see this team right now. I have them as a slight under. It wouldn't shock me if this team kind of struggles out the gate. If you saw a deadline fire sale, just because they have a ton of guys that I think would be interesting to contending teams. If you're a contending team, you would want someone like Patrick Beverly, uh, probably not Gilinari at this point, but you know, Tobias Harris, those guys, when it's obvious LA is trying to keep their cap space open for next year, as long as they don't have to take, as long as they can take an expiring bag, it wouldn't shock me, and it, I think it would be smart for them to kind of have a fire sale at the deadline here and kind of get back some assets. Yeah, no, I, I think they're they're definitely in, interesting uh, kind of dynamic going on. They've got, like we said, we got they got a lot of nice little pieces. Um, we didn't even mention guys like Montrose Harrell, Mike Scott, uh, Luke Richard and Bamute. Uh, I like Tyron Wallace, guys like that. So um, definitely a lot of guys that a team that was playoff contender was looking to kind of go from a first-round exit to a second-round exit or something like that, could could uh, phone phone the L.A. and ask for one of them. So, yeah, I, I, I think they have nice pieces, and uh, I, I don't think it would be a bad idea to maybe try and get some, some future capital back for, for one or two of them uh, or, or more come come February or January. So, yeah, I mean, 35 feels about, about right. They could win more if everything clicks, and, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander is awesome, and Jerome Robbins is awesome, things like that. Uh, but but I feel pretty confident about 35 wins for them. But but they're not they're not going to be bad. They should be a competitive team. Yeah, especially early on. And I think even if they do sell off some of those pieces, like we talked about, that team's so deep that they can kind of withstand that, and they still wouldn't be a seller dweller. This is a team that obviously Raptors fans probably are going to keep an eye on a little bit, just because of the quiet interest there. And yeah, obviously don't want them to do as well, or perhaps get too many assets at the deadline. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, that that whole Kawhi Leonard relationship with, with the Clippers and whatnot is interesting. The, the Jimmy Butler stuff that's been coming out in the last week or so uh, is really interesting with him linked to them. Uh, but yeah, they. I mean, as an NBA fan, most teams are pretty intriguing in some way, but but the Clippers especially with kind of what they have to figure out this this year and what they want to do moving forward. Next up is the Portland Trailblazers. They have a forty-one and a half over under. This team was a three seed last year. Obviously had. A- a pretty embarrassing defeat to the hands of the Pelicans. I think a lot of that was they were just a poor matchup for the Pelicans, to be honest. I I think 41.5 is a hair low. I could see them possibly being a little bit higher and still missing the playoffs, but I'm on the over on this team. Yeah, I, I've got the over. I've got them at 42. Uh, I'm, I haven't heard the over-unders for every team, so I'm, I'm surprised <laughs> because I have... You're really, you're really <laughs> close here for everyone. We, I skipped the team. Off. We skipped the team in my in my order, though. I have, I have the Grizzlies in between the the Clippers and oh, the Blazers. Oh, yeah, that is total. no, that's my mistake. Yeah, you're right. Uh, the, the Grizzlies aren't any higher. Sorry, I did skip them. No, you're good. Um, yeah, I, I was I was shocked there for a minute. Wow, more than forty one. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, um, 
Yeah, with, with the Blazers, I got I got 42. Um, like I said, third seed last year. Uh, it was a combination of a few things. Uh, bad matchup. Nurkic's use of Nurkic is a really good interior rim, rim protector. I guess that's a redundant saying, but he's a good interior defender. Um, but struggles in space. And Anthony Davis is a guy who can kind of score from wherever, so when he pulls you out of the paint, uh, Nurkic is going to struggle, especially in the pick and roll and things like that. If, if he's forcing you to do something, they drop back in pick and roll coverage usually with Nurkic, but... Uh, they found ways to take him out in space, and then obviously uh, Damian Lillard's struggles are pretty pretty well uh, documented everywhere. Part of that, um, truthfully, is he he did he had an ankle injury he suffered late in the year, uh, and he played through it just because they were trying to keep that third team. Well, it's not an excuse. You could definitely see some of the things that that was uh, that was hurting him for for uh, that was hurting him pretty pretty significantly. Attacking switches, the explosiveness was was lacking. Obviously, Drew Holiday did a fantastic job. I'm trying to take away from. What they did there, but I definitely don't think he was at 100%. But just a really, a really bad combination of factors. But uh, hats off to the Pelicans last year. But yeah, they they were really healthy. Uh, they had a lot of really good injury luck. Um, whereas a lot of the, the other playoff contenders, pretty much all of them, didn't have that same luck. So I think given the the increase in talent and maybe some regression in terms of injury luck, I think seven less wins is probably about right. And then you factor in. Davis is gone, Shabazz Napier is gone, Pat Connaughton has gone. Um, I think seven less wins is probably about right, or seven fewer. Excuse me. Um, so, I mean, they'll be competitive again, kind of like the Clippers. I think they have more top-end talent with, with Lillard and McCullum there. But uh, I don't have them in the playoffs this year. I have them as the uh, the 10 seed, but that's barring the whole Jimmy Butler, Timberwolves fiasco. I don't I, – I did this – with the assumption he's still there, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be the case, but I don't know where he's going, so I couldn't really factor that into my, my total. But they'll be competitive. I just don't have them in the playoffs this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if they made it because Terry Stotts and Lillard, and Lillard have a have a reputation for uh, kind of overachieving and, and finding a way into the playoffs no matter uh, the circumstances. Right. I think the way I would classify it is I would say they have about a 50% chance and but I would still put them as less likely than other teams. You know, a bunch of teams with like a 60% chance to make that seven or eight seed. So I think it's very possible to make the playoffs, but I don't have them in my top eight teams necessarily, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I don't have them in the top eight team, but by no means am I, am I writing them off completely. They can certainly make the playoffs, and I wouldn't be surprised. I just, I think it's less likely um, than some of the other teams, like you said. Uh, let's go back to the Memphis Grizzlies, which you noted that I skipped. Would have been shocking if they had an over/under of greater than 41, and I probably would have put some money down. They have an <laughs> over/under of 34 and a half. I'm gonna say the under. I don't know. I don't think at this point you can consider Mike Conley and Marcus Hall. I don't know if you can think they're gonna play 60 games consistently at this point in their career. I think if healthy, this team is much better than 34 and a half wins. But I'm very, very dubious of if they'll be able to stay healthy. Yeah, so I've, I've got them at 36, which so is a shade above uh, that. They're they're just a really tough team to gauge, like you said. They have they have, like from the looks of it, they have a team that could contend for the playoffs. But uh, Conley's coming off a pretty serious Achilles injury. We don't know what he's gonna be like. Um, he's kind of had some. He's kind of been banged up the last few years, on and off the court, or he's been on and off the court. I don't. I wouldn't say he's banged up off the court. I don't know what the heck that even means. Um, but yeah, they, they've got some nice pieces like the Kyle Anderson signing. Uh, it's hard to find anyone who doesn't like Jaron Jackson Jr. as a as a prospect. I think he'll be a nice uh, day one contributor to an extent. Gasol is really the wild card to me. Obviously, he took a step back last year, 
whether or not that was some discontent with the, the organization tanking and he just wasn't quite giving the same level of effort and maybe some, maybe being a more competitive team will kind of uh, inject new life in him is what is kind of the question mark there because he's obviously so important what they do, um, both offensively and defensively. Um, but yeah, I think their two best players have a lot of question marks around them. So while they could make the playoffs, I think they have they have too much volatility to really feel confident, especially with their two stars. Um, but they've done a lot of good things right this offseason. They they made good signings, uh, made a couple of good trades and whatnot. Like the Omer Caspi is a nice little piece. Um, Garrett Temple could be a solid rotation wing for them, secondary ball handler to an extent. Um, but yeah, as we've said, I, I, there's just a little bit too much uncertainty with, with their two best players. And I'm just not a huge fan of their of uh, J.B. Bickerstaff as a head coach. So um, all those factors have me kind of dubious and uh, cons- not concerned, but just worried about them being a competitive playoff team. And, you know, slow-mo will be good for them as well this season. I think yeah. losing Tyreek Evans obviously hurts. Uh, it hurts that they didn't get anything back from him. I'm, that was such a mismanagement, mismanagement in the deadline. I don't know what they were there. It was just weird. And, but Yeah, even if you're not getting back equal value, you got to get something, it feels like. you know. Yeah. I mean, but... Yeah, I mean, they, they lost him for nothing, so it didn't... It didn't, they, didn't they went from looking for equal value and they got zero value, so... Exactly, so... Uh, yeah, they... The nice, nice pieces, nice, nice talent. I just, we just don't know what, what's going on with their, with their stars. So, and, and if they're in the East, obviously they're a playoff team. But with, yeah, with it being so stacked, with the first, I think, ten teams in the West are so good. I just don't see the route for them to get there. Yeah, I agree. Nine is the San Antonio Spurs. Obviously, uh, Demar Derozan is now playing for them as well as Jakob Pertl. Forty-three and a half for them. This team won more games last season. They didn't have Kawhi the entire year. Uh, you know, if I looked at this roster, I would say there's no way this team's winning 43 and a half. But the Spurs somehow seem to hit their over every single year, even when they're missing out an MVP. I think I'm gonna say the under, but with the Spurs, I always stay away. So I would never bet the under on the Spurs. <laughs> yeah, so I've got them at 44. Uh, I have them as my, my eighth seed, um, so that, that, that spoiled a little bit with the Timberwolves. But, um, yeah, I, I, they're they're a team that you could make a very, very good case for why they would make the playoffs, and they could make a pretty equally sound case for why they shouldn't come anywhere close. Uh, but I just have a tough time betting against Greg Popovich. Um, they've got talent. They have two all-stars in the roster. Um, <laughs> the spacing is going to be weird, for sure. But I think they have enough shooting to kind of make it work. Uh, guys like Davis Burtons, Patty Mills, Bryn Forbes. Uh, if Derek White can shoot the ball, uh, Marco Bellinelli can have a pretty prominent role. Um, so I think they probably have enough floor spacing to the point where they can make it work. And I, I just have a tough time seeing a, a Popovich-led team not make the playoffs because he's he's proven to, to maximize the talent on his roster year in and year out. Um, he's arguably the greatest coach of all time. Um and they've got talent. I mean, they two all-stars, and not a lot of teams in the West uh, and say so they have two all-stars um, beyond kind of maybe the top three or four. So uh, while they, they've definitely got some weird pieces moving around, I think they've got enough work in there and they have enough, enough, of, a pet, enough of a pedigree for me, to, for me to feel confident to an extent uh, putting them in the playoffs. But, but as you've said, it's, it's definitely not a lock by any means. They also they won 47 games last season. They added pretty much DeMar DeRozan to that same team. So I guess it feels silly saying that they'll 
lose more games now that they added an all-star to pretty much the same staff. But I, the roster fit feels weird to me. The spacing will be tight when you start Murray, uh, DeRozan, Aldridge kind of all together, depending on who's playing center. I don't know. I I guess with Pop, it would be dumb to say they won't make the playoffs, but I, I don't think they're by any means a lock for, you know, I guess one of the first times in the past 20 years. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Um, yeah, the, the space will be really interesting, but you just you just bank on that, that starting five having enough talent to kind of overcome those issues to an extent, and then you, you sprinkle in some shooters uh, throughout that roster during a game, and, and maybe it works. But as you've said, yeah, it's definitely a, a weird feeling to not be confident in the San Antonio Spurs making the playoff. Next up is the Timberwolves, 44-and-a-half. This is maybe we don't have to spend a ton of time because this team is so in flux as we talk about it, and maybe by the time this pod post it will be solved. Jimmy Butler is leaving. I'm not sure what they're going to get back if they get any workable pieces back for this team. I I guess it's really hard to predict this team when their roster is so much in flux. Yeah, I, I don't really know what what to kind of make a case or how to make a case for them. I have them. With Jimmy Butler having the 43, um, it seems a little low given how good they were with Butler. But uh, I, I don't think he's going to play a full a full 82-game season. He hasn't done that uh, pretty much at all since he's become an all-star. Um, but I would probably have them closer to 38 to 40 without Butler at all. Um, well, they'll probably get some nice pieces back. They were so reliant on him last year, especially offense. Oh, both ends, excuse me. Um, they don't have a lot of creativity with their offense. It was basically just like, give the ball to Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns and, and let their offensive talents just take over. Um, so I would, if you take Jimmy Butler out and say you get whatever X value back, I'd probably have them between 38 and 40, so I'd take the under. But, um, again, we just don't know what they're going to get back. Maybe a, maybe a team sneaks in and gives them a king ransom because they really want Butler. So it's just so tough to predict, especially with all these things kind of up in the air. Right, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, next up is the Pelicans. Their over-under is 45-and-a-half. This is the most talented roster, I think, since Davis has been on the team. You could maybe argue last year with Boogie. But when you talk fit and kind of mobility and the talent, overall talent on the roster, the most talented roster that he's had last season was kind of the first time in Davis's career that he was consistently healthy. I think that 45-and-a-half is a little bit high just because I worry – if Davis misses 20 games, I don't see them, you know, I could see them going 5-15 and 15 in that stretch. I think that this team, when Davis is when Davis is healthy and if he's playing, this team is very good. But I think that if he misses any time, that could be really the death nail for this team. Yeah, for sure. So I, I for, for whatever reason, either I got an inside, an inside trading job on whatever the over-under before looking at it, but I have him at 45. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Davis has played 75 games the last two years, so maybe we're starting to kind of get that injury-prone label. Um, and some of the, some of the, especially early on, they, they'd sit him out of just minor things when they were, weren't very good. Um, so so I feel confident in him playing a lot of games. I certainly understand why he wouldn't, because he's had a tendency to kind of get nicked up here and there. So if too many of those happened and they, they struggled, then I, I could see them making the playoffs. Um, but I, I think he's going to play enough games for them to be really good. Um, it they're a team I could see sneak. I could see them as high as three. I mean, it seemed like a, a really lofty outcome, but I could see them as high as three and as low as ten. That's just how good the West is and how good they could be. 
Uh, Anthony Davis is a monster. Drew Holiday has seemed to be healthy the last couple of years, too, which is really nice because um, he's an awesome two-way player. Um, Julius Randle was an awesome signing for sure. Um, they kind of just stole him, stole him from the other 29 teams in the NBA because most guys could use a, a player like Randle, even though he's kind of an outdated archetype because he can't shoot. Um, Nikola Mertic for a full year will be nice. He's, he's a guy who I think people are starting to realize how good he is when he's playing winning basketball. Um, their, their wing depth is kind of shaky. Um, they don't have a lot of guys who can defend the three and, and whatnot, but I think they have enough talent, especially on the top. Um, they have enough, enough top-level talent to kind of override that, and generally top-heavy teams seem to find a way to make it in the playoffs. So um, They'll be really fun. They're going to get, get up and down the floor, run a lot. Uh, I think Alvin Gentry's a pretty good coach. Um, I think we've kind of learned that now. So uh, I'm excited to see them. They'll definitely be a team I try and watch as much as I can when I have when I have a night to do so, um, just because they have a lot of fun guys and a lot of talent that that should mesh pretty well, even if they have some concerns and, and worries about their their shooting and wing depth. Right. Yeah. I guess I could see this team, like you said. I I think probably four would be the limit I would put them at, but I. I don't think three is crazy, and I could see him as low as ten. They, yeah, I, I could see him at three. I wouldn't make the case for three, but I, could, <clears> I would. I would. I would chastise someone if they did make the case for them at three. Yeah, exactly. And and yeah, the wing depth worries me. I think Alfred Payton is my point guard worries me. It's yeah. losing Rondo. I I'm not as big a Rondo fan as maybe some other people, but I do think that hurts them in a way, and I do think he fit in well there. Gaining Julius Randle, like you said, is a pretty big gain, and I think their their big man rotation will be solid. But I I am just worried about that wing depth, like you mentioned. Yeah, I mean Solomon Hill is kind of an interesting guy. He, he can't. I'm going to check his that He can't really shoot um, at all. He's a he's an okay defender, if I recall. I mean he didn't play really much at all last year. Um, whereas you got Darius Miller who can shoot the heck out of the ball, but he can't defend the lip. Uh, so you can just like if you could just make him one player, then I'd feel a lot better about the Pelicans. Uh, but obviously you can't do that. So, um, as we said, yeah, they've got some, some good talent. And uh, Alfred Payton's a really interesting guy for me. Um, I'm not very high on him, but he's played in two. He played for two teams that haven't really ever shown to be super stable with development in the Magic and, and the Suns for a little bit last year. So um, maybe on a, a competent franchise in terms of player development and whatnot, uh, he'll shine a little more, but I just don't think he's a very good player in the NBA. Um, but I could be wrong. He's going to get up and down the floor. He likes to push the ball. He's a pretty solid transition player, if I recall. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, I'm not super confident in him. But I, I would have an issue being proven wrong there. Nothing against him. I just, I just not super confident in him being an important piece for them, especially as a starter. Next up is the Denver Nuggets, 47 and a half wins. This is a team you'll be covering throughout the year at B-Ball Index. Everybody should check out your stuff. This team will be certainly exciting at the very least. They're going to put up a ton of points. They might give up a lot of points, but I think this team is going to be pretty good next year. I think that this sixth spot is about right for them for me. I think 47.5 is pretty close for me, and I would take the slight over, but I think this is just about the perfect number for them. Yeah, so I took the slight over. I got 48. Um I have them for four seed, um, so I guess I, I spoiled some of it there. But uh, I just think they're going to be really good. Uh, the they may struggle in the playoffs. Uh, people are saying, well, they're not going to defend. It's like they haven't defended the last two years, and they've been a game out of the playoffs. So I don't think that's a huge regular season issue. Mm-hmm. Um, their playoff season is another story, but 
I think they're going to be good enough defensively, assuming Paul Millsap stays healthy, which, given his track record, it should be it should be viewed as though last year was an outlier. Um, reports say he's got his full range of motion back in his wrists and all that. Um, I don't think he'll put up really gaudy stats, but I think he's going to be a really important piece. Um, and then their three young guys are, are awesome. Nikola Jokic is a guy that I think is a top 15, top 16 player in the league. Um, I tweeted out today that I'm a little more receptive if someone wanted to put him in the top 10, which is probably a little bit of a hot take. I wouldn't do it, but I think he's good enough. The metrics say he's good enough. He's durable. He plays a lot of games each year. Um, Jamal Murray should take another step forward. Gary Harris is a guy who's, I don't know if he's really underrated that much anymore, but he's a really dang good player. Um, Will Barton can't really defend at all, but he's a nice, he's just, he's a really good offensive talent. Um, if Isaiah Thomas can give them anything at the backup point guard spot, that'd be huge because last year they were working with Emmanuel Moody and Devin Harris, who just aren't very good. Um, but I, I like them a lot. Uh, I think they're, the three young guys are going to be better. I think Paul Millsap will be healthy. Um, I think they'll probably be a 21st or 22nd ranked defense, but they could be a top two or three, top four offense. I think they were sixth last year offensively, maybe like 27th or 28th defensively. Um, but I think Millsap is that important in all the little things he can do. So uh, I really like Denver. I don't know how far they're going in the playoffs. I don't know if I would feel confident picking them in the playoff series, but I do I do feel confident about them making the playoffs. I, I think people kind of have forgotten about how good Paul Millsap was. He was mm-hmm. a big signing when he signed there, and he is a really good player on both ends of the ball. And he kind of just fills in all the gaps for that team yeah. in a ton of different ways. I think is a very great complimentary player, and he can do so many different things for you. Between that, and I think it's very possible Jamal Murray takes a real step this year, and he was already a good player, but you know, really catapults himself into that mm-hmm. next kind of group of players. I think it's realistic for this team to be a 55-win team if everything breaks right. I certainly don't expect that, but I yeah. think that this team's ceiling has kind of been underrated here for a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I, I... I don't know if I've really done like a an evaluation of like a floor and ceiling of each team, but I could I wouldn't be appalled by fifty five wins for the for the Nuggets. I'm projected that I think maybe given the de- the depth in the West, that's maybe a little uh, far fetched, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. And yeah, it's it's cliche to say an underrated guy kind of just fills all the the gap. That's that's basically what Paul Millsap does. I mean, he makes he makes the rotations on defense to to stymie a guy at the rim. He makes the extra pass. He screens well. He re- Makes the ex- offensive rebound and can score a little bit on his own. Um, I, I really like what he brings, and and it was a really good signing because it's they have they only have him on the books guaranteed for one more year. So if he's not good this year, then they they let they deny they decline his team option and he he finds somewhere else to go. And if he's good, then they pick it up or maybe they renegotiate or something. So I really like that signing. He's really good, and I think I think Murray's going to take a big step forward as a scorer. I think I probably had I think he's my most improved pick which is probably pretty trendy um, among NBA Twitter people. But um, I think he could average like 22 points a game. I think he is that that uh, talented as a scorer. So uh, I really like I really like him, and I think Millsabs are really good, and they're, they're going to be a really fun team for sure. And, you know, not having Emmanuel Moutier always helps. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, not having one of the worst players in the league uh, definitely helps. Nothing against him. It just, just hasn't really proven to be a great player yet. But, uh, yeah. Next up is the Utah Jazz, 48 and a half. I have the over on this team. This team is, to me, they're just, they're so solid offensively, and they have, sure, they only have one player in Donovan Mitchell who is a true creator, but they have so many guys who can 
be kind of that second option. None maybe great second options, but all solid when you talk about Joe Ingles and Rudy Gobert and Ricky Rubio, I think, just makes offenses better when he's on the floor. And then, obviously, this team is going to hang its head on defense. When Rudy Gobert is on the court, this team is probably the best defensive team in the league. Mm -hmm. I think there are serious questions about how well drop-style pick-and-roll works when we get to the playoffs and if you need to be more aggressive than that. But if you start to look at the top teams in the regular season defensive ratings, almost all of them are drop defense, and I think – for the regular season that this Jazz team is going to be really good. Yeah, so so 48.5 is their over-under that we said, correct? Yes. 40, okay, yeah, so I've got them at 50, um, so just a little bit a little bit more than my 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 standard half a game over-under, <laughs> apparently. So I guess this is an outlier. But, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Utah. Um, I think Donovan Mitchell is going to be even better than he was last year. Their defense is going to be awesome. Uh, the whole, like, drop, pick, and roll thing is really interesting to me because – I, I could see this era almost being an outlier because when you look you look at kind of how Gobert's been exposed, like exposed in quotation marks. Um, so if you're if you're listening to this, imagine I'm doing air quotes. Um, he's gone against four of the best best slash most efficient scorers in NBA history when you look at Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, Chris Paul, and James Harden. So I could see I could see the switchy the switch the switch heavy tendencies kind of fading out eventually because I don't think we're going to have four of the most efficient and deadly scorers the league has ever seen as the best two teams in the conference for the like next 40 years, you know what I mean? So it just it could definitely be an outlier, but yeah, right now um, they've got some issues there in terms of their, their defensive anchor struggling to defend on the perimeter. Um, yeah, that was kind of a long tangent that's probably <laughs> best suited for an article or something someday. Um, but bottom line, I really like Utah. I think they're going to be a really, really good team that the race for the best defense in the league is, is kind of fascinating to me. I think there's a lot of a few contenders that could uh, really stake their claim. You look at Oklahoma City, Utah, Toronto, uh, Boston, um, maybe even Philadelphia if you want to if you want to make a claim for from B being even better there defensively. So um, yeah, Utah is going to be really good. They might not be that fun to watch for some people because it's going to be a lot of low scoring games. Low scoring is relative nowadays in our, our fast paced, yeah. but. Um, yeah, they, they're a team I, I enjoyed watching last year because Donovan Mitchell is just a, a heck of an offensive talent. He can do so many different things, and they're they're going to be a team that's just really, really good and a really tough out no matter who uh, no matter who they play. Right, and if if we didn't have a deadline, I think we could probably I could talk at least another 15 minutes about different what pick and roll coverage is going to last here because I think that's kind of not to be dramatic, but I think that's one of the biggest questions of this era right now is if it's going to switch to kind of switching styles or blitz styles, or if it's if drop pick and roll coverage is going to be a thing anymore with people becoming so proficient from shooting off the three. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. But but we can't go off too long. Let's move on to the Lakers. They have an over under forty eight and a half. I'm gonna take the under. I think that with LeBron, I would never bet on LeBron to miss the playoffs. But at the same time, I. I just don't see the other players on the roster keeping them in this near 50 wins in such a tough conference. I would say probably put them around 46, 45. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, so I've got I got 46 right there. I'm taking the under. Um, I had them as a sixth seed uh, in the West, but I could see them winning the playoff series. Um, I wouldn't bet against LeBron versus that whole that whole herd of teams that are kind of that three to ten range. Um, but yeah, the, the talent is just kind of underwhelming. LeBron's going to be LeBron. Uh, 
I wonder if LeBron's going to play 82 games again. Uh, that seemed to kind of be an outlier last year. Um, but he's, 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 he's just really, really good. Uh, that's probably an understatement, but, um, I think the big, the big thing is how well does he mesh with the young guys and do they become more than just like tantalizing, intriguing young guys to become impactful players. Um, I, I wrote a piece last week that'll come out sometime close to the regular season about kind of his offensive fit in, in there. Um, and how he's going to work with like Alonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram for the most part. Um, I'm pretty encouraged by it. I think they'll, they'll match, they'll mix really well, those three guys. And then kind of hopefully you have enough shooting around them, but they just don't have a ton of talent. Their, their offseason was weird. I get that they want to sign one year deals, but punting a season of LeBron at a top level, um, is just kind of curious to me. Um, it, it could not be, end up being the right decision. They could sign Jimmy Butler or someone like that next year. And I could be, I could be proven wrong, but, um, just not a ton of talent outside of LeBron. Uh, not a lot of guys he would go. That's a, that's the guy I want as my second best player on on a on a playoff team. Uh, nobody that even comes close to how as good as Kevin Love was uh, last year. Even though Kevin Love missed some significant time and battled some injuries throughout the playoffs. Um, so yeah, I think we're kind of in agreement that just coming down to a lack of talent around LeBron. Well, and I just the signings to me almost are a downgrade from some of the young options. And if I had to bet on Rajon Rondo being content, not getting any playoff time in a contract year. I would probably guess that he wouldn't be. And, you know, I just, I don't know how I love the fit of the older guys. And it seems like they have a ton of people who all are going to want playing time and only so many spots to give them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's just, I just, I, I hope Luke Walton makes the right decision and plays guys like uh, Caldwell Pope, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart over guys like uh, Lance Stevenson and Rondo and, and uh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not an anti Michael Beasley guy. He could actually be a pretty nice piece for them um, as a scorer. But um, yeah, like you said, the, the 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 worry thing, the worrisome thing is that those those guys they sign in the offseason just might not be very good. But on top of that, they're going to make it minutes over guys who are more deserving. And then you, then you work. Then you're looking at some actual issues. Next up is the Thunder. They have an over under of fifty and a half. This team lost Carmelo Anthony. I think a lot of people will claim that as a positive. I would be one of those people. The spacing on this team is going to be tough, but, you know, the spacing has been tough in previous years, and the Thunder have still overcome that. Defensively, you know, I think this team's going to be much better with Carmelo off the floor. And you talk about Grant and kind of Adams and a bunch of string, or kind of lengthy guys there, and obviously the return of Andre Robertson. I would say this is probably a hair high for me at 50.5, but I don't think it's unreasonable if they're playing at their peak that they can get there. Yeah, so I I guess I'm I'm crushing the under item at 47. Um, okay. I think they could be really good at their peak, but in terms of win totals, um, Andre Roberson hasn't been cleared for full contact yet, so it doesn't look like he's going to be ready from day one. Um, and he could just not quite be as good as he was last year defensively. Um, and then you, you couple that with Russell Westbrook announcing he had knee surgery, I think it was a week or two ago. Um, and I just have some genuine concerns that they're going to be at full strength all year. Um, so while I can see them being the third best team in the West by April, I have a tough time seeing them rack up 51 wins, um, given some of the injury concerns of the two most two of their most important players. Um, they're going to be really good. Like I said, spacing could, spacing could be a bit of an issue. Um, but I think they have enough talent. And they're going to be an insane defensive team when they're at full strength. I just don't think they're going to be at full strength all year to rack up 51 wins, which is 
I think I said that exact same phrase a minute ago. But um, I've got them at fifth in the West, but they could they could be the three seed. Uh, they're going to be really 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 dangerous. I think come come playoffs if uh, if Russ can kind of rein it in a little bit and be a little more subdued, not not jack up shots like he has the last couple of years. Um, but they, I, they should be intriguing. Are we betting on Russ not doing that? I mean. <laughs> I think that's just kind of who he is as a player at this point. And for all the good of Russell Westbrook, you kind of had to live with the bad, it feels like. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, he's he's a guy that I I don't know if he's – I wouldn't consider myself like a huge fan of him, but he's a guy I think when he retired, we're going to look back and kind of be like, he was really, really good, and I don't think we really appreciate it enough. I think we kind of harped on some of his issues too much. Um, but, yeah, he's just he's, – he's kind of a guy who was a really – he's a high floor, kind of a low ceiling superstar if he's number one option, but – I mean, there's value in that, especially in a small market like Oklahoma City. Um, making the playoffs every year is important. I think I hope he's really healthy this year. Um, I he's had a lot of knee surgeries now, so I, I hope this isn't kind of the straw that breaks the camel's back. Um, I I don't, I don't know if it will be. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was, but I but I but either way, I, I think Oklahoma City is a really really dangerous team uh, when the playoffs are around, even though it isn't necessarily reflected entirely in the win column. Right, and I think that this team is probably the best way that's built to him as far as kind of just a bunch of scrappy defenders around him and then let Ross carry you to a league average offense. So, Yeah. Uh, next up is the Rockets, 54.5. So that's 10 wins under what they got last season. They lost Trevor Ariza this offseason. They lost Rukashard Ambamute. Those are big losses. I think at some point they've kind of turned out to be bigger than what they actually were. Uh, I think Daryl Morey kind of views these wings as guys that he can replace replace relatively easily. I wouldn't be shocked if they make a move for another small forward wing type player at some point in the season. I think that 54.5 is a hair low for this team. I I think Trevor Rees and Amba Mute are good. I don't think they're quite 10 wins good. I think that I would probably put this team around 56, 57. What do you think? Yeah, so I've got them at 57 on the dot. Uh, that's that seems really low. I mean, I know I know they lost a couple pieces, but James Ennis, James Ennis could be a nice guy. Um, I don't think he's, he's quite as good as maybe as Ariza, but I think he can still be a serviceable kind of kind of wing piece, wing defender, wing shooter. Um, they were really really good last year. Uh, they're going to be one of the teams that when we look back in 20 years and say the best teams never win a title, that that 2017-18 Rocket team is going to be up there. I mean, they they were so flipping good. Uh, and so giving them 10 less wins feels a little bit like an overstatement of, of how important Ariza and, and Bamute were. Um, I don't think they're quite on Golden State's tier anymore, but they're still going to – I wouldn't have an issue with someone said they're the second-best team in the league. I think I probably have the fourth a tier behind – or a notch behind uh, Toronto and Boston, but they're in that kind of that second tier of teams uh, that if you put them in the East, they'd probably be uh, vying for the final finals appearance. So – um, they still have two top ten players and arguably two of the best playmakers in the league. Uh, I think the reigning MVP. Um, and I mean, Carmelo could be better there. I don't, I don't know how confident I am in that, but he's gonna, he's gonna be, he's gonna have more spacing. He's gonna have better playmakers around in terms of guys who can hit him right in the shooting pocket. And so if he can embrace his role, he could maybe be a positive to an extent. I don't know if I would be confident in that, but I wouldn't rule it out. Um, they're still gonna be really good next year. Maybe if they're not. Uh, on the same level as one of the all-time great dynasties, I don't think that really means they're going to win ten less games. So uh, they should be they should be very good. They have good coaching, great superstars. Um, I just don't think two three and D wings who can kind of be replaced is going to equate to ten and a half wins. 
Yeah, exactly. I think for Carmelo, I think he'll be a better shooter next year. If you looked at his numbers, they were kind of outlier low as far as shooting the ball last season and catch and shoot situation. So I think he'll be better there. Maybe not. I I certainly wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if he was, you know, not much better, if any at all, next season. But yeah, the Reza guys, I think because they are mostly positive players at some level, we kind of start to overrate them. And it was upsetting because it looked like it was strictly a financial save is the only reason that he left. So you're basically losing for nothing. But I don't think it's 10 and a half wins as big of a deal. Yeah. But <clears throat> next up is a Golden State Warriors, 62 and a half. You know, it's for them, the question on 62 and a half, I don't think it has anything to do with the talent. Obviously, if they wanted to yeah. win 70 games, I think they could. It's just <laughs> the apathy that they have at this point for the regular season. And honestly, probably should. I don't think it makes sense for them to try all season. Andre Iguodala certainly is not going to try all season. I I would still probably say the over because I think Steph missed a good amount of time last season and they were still around this number. So I would say that I would probably take the over, but I wouldn't bet on a team that might not care for the first half of the year. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got them at 62. Um, I had to – so when I do my win projections, there's – there's 1,230 wins uh, to go around the season, so I kind of had to work with with that uh, that outline. Uh, so I get the, I ended up getting 62 um, for me. Yeah, that was a good point about Steph. He missed 31 games last year in the regular season. Um, he'd been pretty consistent around 78, 79 games for the past few years before that. Um, so I, I'd make on him pl- playing closer to 75 and 50 again. Um, but yeah, I think the apathy the apathy is a huge thing that makes it tough to gauge their win total. Um, but they, they're just so, so talented. Uh, definitely arguably the best, best team of all time. Um, yeah, but Iguodala kind of coasted last year, or he definitely coasted. Uh, Draymond Green battled some injury issues, but he also definitely kind of looked like he was saving it for the playoffs a little bit. Um, so I think when you have two of your most important wing defenders, uh, that could, that could lose you some games, but, um, they said they have enough, enough talent and ability to, to win 62 games. Um, but yeah, I, they they have a really really big range of outcomes just because it's, it's all based off the effort level they apply each night because they they can do whatever they want if they wanted. Yeah, totally agree. Well, Jackson, thank you for joining me. I gotta get you out of here. I already held you longer than I said I would. <laughs> uh, before we go, I guess one last question on the Warriors. If I told you to win the title, you got the Warriors or the field, who would you take? I'm still taking the Warriors. I just think they're a, a notch above everyone else. Um, I don't know if I was betting on it, maybe that might change, but I'd still feel confident betting for the Warriors just because I think they're just they just have enough going for them that that uh they're that good. I mean they've second and third best player in the league, um, a top five coach in the league, a, a great defense, or with the best defensive player in the league, things like that. It's just tough to overcome that, even though you have some really intriguing uh, opponents like Boston, Toronto, and uh and Houston, but they just they're just too good for me. Makes sense. I'm totally with you. All right. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. All right. Thanks.